So, uh, Alan, when my, my mom came to this country in her early 20s after marrying my dad, and she didn't know English, and she was very naive, and she kind of learned uh, English from watching TV. Okay. There's a story in our family that she swears is true about there, there used to be this TV commercial where the Pillsbury Doughboy would pop out of the Pillsbury the, the uh, biscuit can whenever anyone opened it. Mm. And so my mom tells the story about the first time that she opened the Pillsbury biscuit can. And when the Pillsbury Doughboy didn't come out, she she like audibly wept in front of the kids because she was so sad. That there was... um, can I point out yeah. that if the Pillsbury Doughboy had been in the can, she would have had to kill and eat him in order to successfully get a Pillsbury biscuit. Well, number one. Pillsbury biscuits are delicious, so it would have been worth it. But number two, uh, yeah, she would she would have been not know what to do with a Pillsbury Doughboy, and been horrified, I'm sure. But the really weird coda to the story, and I guess I'll tell the story next time, is really how much my dad cried the first time he opened a thing of brawny paper towels. It's time, time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello and welcome everyone back to the show that usually ends. It's another episode of Interrupted Tales. The podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, joining me here tonight, my good friend, Rob. Rob, let's hear a little something from you. Hello, Alan. Hello, listeners. I am recording live um, on the scene from a Marriott courtyard. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> I've come to win, and um, you know they I, they put me up at some fine quarters. I only have three other roommates, and uh, I'm ready to do some recording. Uh, what do you get out of the continental breakfast? Do you get the orange juice, or this is a Marriott courtyard? They don't have a continental breakfast. I don't even get that. Yeah, just a uh, smoke break. That's all we offer. <laughs> There is a suspicious jug of water in the lobby just filled with some, like, raspberries tossed in. Huh. That's, uh, that's the bonus you get. Well, the story for this evening is from the pages of Futuria Fantasia, summer 1939, edited by Ray Bradbury, a story entitled Don't Get Technetal, spelled as if you were... A cyborg infant. I think it's technatal. Technatal. Yeah, but that doesn't rhyme as well with technical. So you have to say technatal. I think it's a play off the uh, the uh, early um, 30s uh, technate um, theory, which is a, uh, a, a utopian vision of, econ of future economy based off of uh, the amount of ergs or uh, heat or body um, activity that one can supply. 
Okay, sure. Uh, don't get tech natal. Don't <laughs> get tech natal. Don't get tech natal. There you go. I like that. Don't get tech natal by Ron Reynolds. Uh, Ron Reynolds actually a pseudonym of Ray Bradbury. Uh, I'm told oh. in the notes here, Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury using the clever pseudonym of an '80s Sports Center anchor. Oh yeah, big Ron Reynolds bringing you the action. And now it's time to grab a drink and curl up in your favorite chair. That's the correct order you would do that in. And listen while we read you this week's tale. For several moments, Stern had eyed his typewriter ominously, contemplating whether he should utter the unutterable. Alan, don't try and stop me. I'm just going to say it. Voldemort. Oh, no. Oh, my God. He's not right behind me, is he? What? No. I mean, you're a mudblood. You'd be dead by now. (laughs) Finally. Damn, he roared. I can't write any more. Look. Look at that. This is terrible. I, I told you no one wants an update of Caroline in the city. Even Freeform won't pay for this. He tore the sheet out of the rollers and crumpled it in his fist. If I'd known it would be this way, he said, I wouldn't have voted for it. Technocracy is ruining everything. Yeah, man. Nothing's been the same since the Kraftwerk riots of 71 and the technocracy took over the city of Megadon and outlawed rock music. Well, luckily, Kilroy was there. It was a rough time for our nation. (laughs) Bella Stern, preoccupied with her knitting, glanced up in horror. Wait a minute. This is the future. What the hell am I knitting? A jetpack cozy? (laughs) Your jetpack wants to stay warm. That's just... (laughs) It's the future. They haven't fixed that. Jetpacks still get cold. Yeah, sure. What a temper, she exclaimed. Can't you keep your voice down? She fussed with her work. There now, she cried. You made me drop a stitch. Well, you know what they say in the technocracy. A stitch in time saves one zero zero one. Um, boob? (laughs) Only if you hold it upside down. Oh, okay. (laughs) I want to be a writer, Samuel Stern lamented, turning with grim eyes to his wife. Oh, honey. Why don't you just become a dentist like your short blonde friend, Hermie? And the... Hermie the Elf? Yeah, he wanted to be a dentist. Did he? Yeah. Have you you not seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Mm, I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, what... You, 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 I mean, you're dreaming of presents, you're, you're hopped up on holiday food. You think I'm paying attention to the plot of Rudolph? What was wrong with that doll, Alan? What was wrong with the doll? What do you mean, what doll? The doll on the Island of Misfit Toys. I Everyone... told you, I didn't watch it. <laughs> Fine. And the technate has spoiled my fun. Hey, man, don't look at me. I voted for Big Brother. And the third party... Candidate Ralph Nader. <laughs> He's still around. <laughs> He's still, you know, yep. kicking back. 
The way you talk, Samuel, said his wife, I actually believe you want to go back to that barbarism prevalent in the dark thirties. Yes, the dark thirties, when gangsters ran opium dens and dueled in the streets with chains and whips to blues music while smoking reefer, or something like that. I'm no historiatician. No, of course not, honey. Historiaticians were outlawed in the 1940s. Part of the uh, Vidal Sassoon riots, I believe. It sounds like one damned good idea, he said. At least I'd have something decent or indecent to write about. Yeah, something like The Grapes of Wrath, but with more sex and drugs and hookers and sexy drunken hookers. Yeah, the... uh, Spliff Notes version. <laughs> how, how'd they get each one of those to be 420 pages long is what I want to know. Uh, they just work really hard at it, Rob. <laughs> That's as stoners are known to do. Yes. Let me bring up the spin doctors for a moment. <laughs> I see no better time in the middle of a uh, early Ray Bradbury story, please. Sure, yes. It's it's particularly relevant, I think, mm-hmm. to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. When you... Now, you, you're familiar with the Spin Doctor song, 430, right? Uh, <laughs> no. You're not? You had two songs to ask that question about. Okay, Alan. maybe it's not called that. Hold on. Oh, okay, it's called What Time Is It? That's that's the name. Are you familiar with the song, What Time Is It, by can, the Spin Doctors? Can you sing a few bars? Well, let me read from the, the lyrics here. Please. It would be better if you were intimately familiar with the song. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? 4.30. It's not late. No, no. It's just early. 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 Okay. I am now intimately familiar with this song. I had, wow, I completely forgot about that. All right, your point being, if it's four thirty, what are you, what are you ten minutes late for? Four twenty. Nope, you're just early, early, oh, early. Man, I get it. Okay, jeez, it would really help if you were intimately familiar with that song as a proxy for the audience. <laughs> hey, it's four twenty somewhere, man. What? can you mean she asked tilting her head back and thinking why can't you write there are just oodles of things i can think of that are readable there's fortune cookies the the back of cereal boxes oh that electric bill the that copy of dianetics the technocracy forces all of us to have just oodles of things mm, or you said one thing there that is definitely unreadable <laughs> I know. Those fortune cookies aren't any good anymore. They're not fortunes. They just tell mm-hmm. you sayings Okay, now. sure. Okay. Something like a tear rolled down Samuel's cheek. Ooh, what is like a tear but not a tear? Um, a desk shaped like a raven? No, wait, wait, wait. A raven shaped like a desk. No, I'm sorry, Rob. The correct answer is always time. <sighs> time. No more gangsters. No more bank robberies, no more holdups, no more good old-fashioned burglaries, no more vice gangs. Oh, thank God there are no more vice gangs. Remember the roving hordes of hipster reporters that clogged the streets, beating and robbing people while trying to find the real soul of the city? Terrifying. A lot of people did get laid off just a couple days ago for that joke, but 
All right. You don't know when <clears throat> people are listening to this. Could be, <laughs> could be advanced AIs far off in the future, and this is all they discover of, of our time. Okay. His voice grew lachrymose as he proceeded down an infinite line of no mores. No more sadness, he almost sobbed. Just the bitter ennui of the modern man. Oh, well, guess it's time to head off to Carousel. I hear tonight is Capricorn 17. Everybody loves Capricorn 17. Everybody's happy, contented, fitter, happier, more productive. No more strife and hard work. Oh, for the days when a gangland massacre was headline scoop for me. Ah, don't we all wish for the sweet days of more gangland massacres, Alan? Those are some great Valentine's days. I understand. <laughs> Thank you. Tush, sniffed Bella. Have you been drinking again, Samuel? Just synthahol, darling. No, wait, this is nail polish. Damn it, why do they make the bottles look exactly the same? Mm, why would they make the bottles look exactly the <laughs> that's, same? That's what I want to know. He hiccuped gently. And farted fiercely. <laughs> he's, got a way, he's got a way with bodily functions. <laughs> uh, no wonder he's a great writer. <laughs> I thought so, she said. I can always tell by your unhappiness and the three-foot-tall pile of beer cans all around you. I had to do something, he declared. I'm going nuts for want of a plot. Look, buddy, just think of one piece of technology and then stretch it out to ridiculous extremes in the darkest possible way. It works for Black Mirror. Hey, come on, man. It works for Black Mirror. Mm, well. Think about it. Okay. I'm thinking about it. What if, like, cell phones okay. had your memories in them, Alan? I, thought, I think that Sean LeGuerre has a lot to answer for on Twitter, then. Sean LeGuerre. He wants to be my friend. He's like MySpace Tom. <laughs> Bella Stern laid her knitting aside and walked to the balcony, looking meditatively down into the yawning canyon of the New York street. Fifty stories below. She turned back to Sam with a reminiscent smile. How about a series of knitting mysteries? I don't know, like a knit to remember, or to Helen Backstitch, or the whole nine yarns. Wait, wait, Alan. Edit this out. I need to get in contact with a horrible mystery publisher immediately. Why not write a love story? What? Stern shot out of his chair like a hooked eel. You know the rules. I will not have love spoken of inside this house. Look what it did to haul those poor people on that boat with a funny bartender. What was that called? Oh, yeah, the Titanic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Charo. She was on the Titanic, remember? I don't remember that. She coochie-coochied her way all the way down. That's her signature move, so <laughs> I think the facts check out. <laughs> Why, yes, she concluded. A nice love story would be very enjoyable. Well, so would a nice science fiction story, ma'am, but we can't always get what we want. Uh, we're, we're on deadlines here. <laughs> Look, <laughs> you know what it's like to write and edit 19 stories for one month? I mean, BuzzFeed knows. BuzzFeed definitely knows. <laughs> it's all this. All this. 
love. Stern's voice was thick with sarcasm. Why we don't even have decent love these days. It's just not the same since they cured all the diseases and legalized Molly. Where's the suppression and guilt? Those were the best parts. You said you loved me for my lack of suppression and guilt. No, those were just words. I was trying to not get you into bed. (laughs) You're put on the shelves. (laughs) A man can't marry a woman for her money and vice versa. Wait, this guy's definition of love is starting in a weird place. Yeah. Everyone under technocracy gets the same amount of credit. Which, of course, you know as a member of the technocracy. But uh, I think it bears reiteration in my (laughs) diatribe about love. Thank you, honey. I, I always forget. No more Reno. No more alimony. No more breach of promise or lawsuits. Again, he seems to have love confused with an episode of Divorce Court. And not a good one with the paternity results, either. Everything is cut and dried. The days of society weddings and coming out parties are gone. Because everyone is equal. Equality. Bah! And what about those emails? Why won't the FBI look into the emails? That's definite. I mean, that should be very high on the priority list. Very high. What else is going on, really? Nothing. I can't write political criticisms about grafted the government, about slums and terrible living conditions, about poor starving mothers and their babies. Everything is okay. 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 His voice sobbed off into silence. Jesus. Someone start a war and slaughter millions just to give this guy a lift, please. Nope, nope. We're not recommending that to anybody. Well, what about a nice plague? I don't know, something. He's bringing down the whole story, Alan. Which should make you very happy, countered his wife. Well, if it makes him so happy, then why the hell is he so sad? It's complicated. If it makes you happy. Which makes me very sick, growled Samuel Stern. Look, Belle, all my life, I wanted to be a writer. Okay? I'm writing for the pulp magazines for a couple of years, right? Okay. Then I'm writing sea stories, gangsters, political views, first-class bump-offs. You know, I think his finest work was actually the Seaman Thugs versus the Socialist Bump-Offs. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, what a masterpiece. <laughs> that, was a, that was a trauma uh, script, right? <laughs> it's, I don't know, but it's what he'll be remembered for. I'm happy. I'm in my element, and then bingo, in comes technocracy, which makes everyone happy. Bump. Out goes me. I just can't stand writing the stuff that people read today. Everything is science and education. Ugh, it's like it's always PBS Pledge Drive Week, and I just want to watch Doctor Who fight the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, but you could get that on the tote bag. (laughs) Just. I just imagine Doctor Who riding the Loch Ness Monster with a scarf around its neck trying to choke it. <laughs> Good tote bag. Excuse me, monster. Would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> he ruffled his thick black hair with his fingers and glared. 
You should be joyful that the population is at work doing what they want to do, Bella beamed. Well, that's easy for her to say. All she wants to do is dance and make romance. She can't feel the heat coming off the street. No, okay, all right, hold on. Uh, do the lyrics for me one more time. The last part? Yeah, the last part of it. She can't feel the heat coming off the street. Okay, now imagine that you and I had just been in a band together and then broke up. And I had just written a song that says, the heat is on, it's on the street. <laughs> and then you wrote that. And I'm like, Don, really? Hey. I mean, I just wrote a song that says, the heat is on, it's on the street. Hey, Don Henley calls it like it is. He Don, did you not hear my song? <laughs> did you not listen to my first solo album? <laughs> These are very common thoughts just out there in space, man. No, it's not that common. Yeah, the those street heat, they rhyme. I don't know what no, you're talking about. I'm a little P.O. done. One's off the street, one's on the street. I don't understand what you're even getting at here. Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, men at work really did owe millions of dollars to that kookaburra song. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like 98% of the song. <laughs> it's sad, really, because they could have ripped off any pan flute player and uh, probably gotten away with it. Okay. Rob, if you had to choose between Zamfir and the guy from Jethro Tull now. Okay. Okay. What am I choosing them for? You're ripping off a pan flute, literally. Oh, oh, Zamfir, all the way. Okay, he right, may okay. have sold more sure. albums than the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined. Okay, all right. But I've never heard of him being particularly litigious. Let us continue. Sam continued muttering to himself. They took all the sex magazines off the market first thing. All of the gangster, murder, and detective publications. They've been educating the children and making model citizens out of them. God damn it, where are my six crazed murderous gangs? It's like they don't want us to have fun anymore. And young miss, when they changed it to YM, I mean, <laughs> like in the when they changed young miss to YM. Like in the 70s, didn't they? Hey. Hey, what? That's forty years after this. This is very, that was a very prescient joke. <laughs> what are they trying to hide? What are you trying to hide, young Miss? Which is as it should be. Finished, Bella. Do you realize? He blazed, whipping his finger at her. That for two years there hasn't been more than a dozen murders in the city, not one suicide or gang war or flash mob. Wait. Thank God we got rid of those. Nope. They're making a comeback. Oh, no. Now, which, which do you think is worth? Uh, a flash mob or an adobe flash mob? <laughs> Heavens, sighed Bella. Don't be prehistoric, Sam. There hasn't been anything really criminal for 20 years now. This is 1975, you know. Now, let's go see that new movie, Dog Day Afternoon Picnic, where everyone is happy and no one gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> she came over and patted him gently on the shoulder why don't you write something science fictional maybe something with knitting like Seymour's episode 3 Revenge of the Stitch <laughs> she's got a one track mind that's all I'm saying okay 
I don't like science, he spat. Oh, I guess she's never blinded him with it. Are you saying that... That we all know what that song's really about? Mm-hmm. So he's gone his whole life without um, achieving science? I mean, really being blinded by it. He's, he's experimented, but he hasn't gone to... He hasn't been published. Let's just say that. <laughs> okay, that was, that was good. Thank you. That was good. Then your only alternative is love, she declared firmly. People, people, why must you choose? What if you just both put on hazmat suit and go nuts on each other and see what happens? He formed the despicable word on his lips then. No, I want something new and different. How about a television show about doctors? Have there been any of those? Nope, it's brand new every time they do it. <laughs> this one's in Chicago. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this one's the lady's named Hope. Or is that what it is? What is that? Is there one with a hope? There's... Oh no, her name's not Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Yeah. Then the town's got to be named Hope or something. No, uh, there's it's something named Hope. Okay, wait. There's Saving Hope, and then there's Chicago Hope. Oh, you're thinking of Chicago? <laughs> no, I was thinking of Saving Hope. I think, and I thought her name would be Hope. Well, that. But... Under the rules I, of television, her name must be Hope. Well, I think they are a little more respectable in Canada. Mm, Canada. Yeah. yeah, another thing about Canada. I watched that whole Slings and Arrows show, and I thought it was going to be a te detective show about Detective Slings and Detective Arrow, and they go out and they fight crime, and nah, it's about Shakespeare or something. It's bullshit. In the penthouse below, he saw half a dozen robots moving about speedily, working. And twerking. Faster. <laughs> Harder. <laughs> and twerking. Yep. His face lit up suddenly, like that of a tiger spying on his prey. Jumpin' jig wheels, he cried. Which is totally a phrase we use in the far-off future of 1975. Why didn't I think of it before? Robots. I'll write a love story about two robots. I'll call it. Our marriage. <laughs> okay. <Nope. clears throat> Bella squelched him. Be sensible, she said. They've are, that's already been made. Didn't you see the Twilight movies? That's about three robots. <laughs> no, it's two robots and a shirtless homunculus. It might happen someday, he argued. Just think. Love oiled, welded. Built of metal, wired for sound. Ooh, is it uh, getting a little hot in here for anyone else? Um, Alan, <clears throat> if you'll excuse me, I, I need to Google the works of Hajime Sorayama. I'll be right back. I guess you could play Mass Effect 3 and then just, you know, stop before it ends. <laughs> he laughed triumphantly, but it was a low laugh, a strange little sound. Bella expected him to beat his chest next. Robots fall in love at first sight, he announced, and blow an audio tube. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we say that on this podcast, Alan? Mm. I know we're listed as explicit, but that is filthy. Really, they didn't get into the very hardcore until they moved to solid state. And then the transistors could just blow at a very high rate. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, it's solid. It's... It's not the same. Yeah, I believe that was uh, 
Chesty Moore's law that predicted how many transistors would double in each adult robot film every two years. Uh. Yeah, okay. Bella smiled tolerantly. You're such a child, Sam. I sometimes wonder why I married you. Oh, that's right. The technocracy's robot warlords forced us to, based on our mutual appreciation of toast. Boy, I sure do love toast. No, I'm having second thoughts <laughs> about toast. Stern sank down, burning slowly, a crimson flush rising in his face. Only half a dozen murders in two years, he thought. And they still haven't figured out I did four of them. I like my odds. No more politics. No more to write about. He had to have a story. Just had to have one. He'd go crazy if something didn't happen soon. His brain was clicking furiously. A calliope of thought was tooting in his subconscious. Oh, I've had that happen. Just start singing Bodak Yellow softly to yourself for a while and any trace of thought will gradually disappear. Oh, okay. He had to have a story. He turned and looked at his wife, Bella, who stood watching the air traffic go by the window, bending over the sill, looking down into the street, forty floors below. And then he reached, slowly and quietly, for his atomic gun. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't check off right that if your story has an atomic gun, you have to mention it at the beginning? Of the story? Hey, what the fuck does Chekhov know? He didn't split the atom. <laughs> the end. You know, when there's a story about an author in search of a plot... Mm -hmm. I think that kind of bubbles back up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you think there was something underlying drawing? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe something bubbling underneath the author's uh, head that he was trying Tooting to Tooting in his subconsciousness, as yeah. it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he yeah. just needed to think about Mars more. Let's be honest, his stories had nothing to do with Mars. <laughs> no, they were just parables. It's true. Um, what did you think the moral of this story was, Ralph? I, I think the moral's clear. We need greater atomic gun control. This guy just had one sitting on his desk next to his futuristic typewriter. What? And yet there's only 12 murders a year? Please, no. You know, I would say that a great love story, um... Didn't happen. <laughs> yep. I would say that. <laughs> No saucy stories, I'll tell you that. I thought there'd be some babies, to be honest. Ba babies? Technatal. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like a decanted baby, something like that. No, futuristic. not like a decanted baby. <laughs> like a what? futuristic baby in a, you know, decanter. You know what, Rob? I think it's pretty clear that the moral of this story is that great stories, interesting plots, they... They all derive from the tension and the strife between people, especially former bandmates Glenn Fry and Don Henley, <laughs> who 
which powered a very vital and interesting time in their artistic careers. That's going to be all for this week. We hope you can tune in next time for another exciting interrupted oh it will in saturday night knitter and a cross stitch to remember and hot august knits and one yarn over the cuckoo's nest tales